am a wife and a mother and an insurance agency owner, a friend, and a PTA advocate. I am so excited to talk about all of the things that I find most precious here within our community, within our lives, and within our faith, friendships, and relationships. Here on Heather's Most Precious. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Heather's Most Precious. I am especially excited for y'all to join us as we are embarking on a new series. This will be all about education. Our goal during this is going to be to bridge the gap between the classroom and the community. We will do this by exploring conversations with teachers of every grade level. We will also talk to school psychologists. We will talk to superintendent, principal. I am just so excited for us to learn together, for us to learn how teachers need to be supported at different stages of your student's career, as well as how in our communities we can come alongside them to provide materials that they may need inside the classroom to better your student's education. And most importantly, how to approach certain conversations if you have concerns or questions, especially when it comes to our most precious possessions, which are our children, right? We want to make sure that we are doing that in the most professional way and in the way that gets us the best result. So Come join us, sit back, relax as we begin this educational series. And we are going to start out with Miss Lee Grady, a local elementary school teacher here in Chattanooga. And I am just super, super pumped about this. Welcome, Lee. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, Lee and I go back quite mm-hmm. a bit of ways. Mm-hmm. She does teach at and the elementary school that one of my sons is still at mm-hmm. um, and Laker has already moved through. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am um, have been a teacher for 20 years. Um, I took a little break when my children were born. I have taught pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and fifth grade. The only grade I haven't taught is fourth, and my sweet spot is third grade. Um, I'm married to Jeff. We've been married almost 25 years. We have two beautiful children. Blake is um, a junior at UTK, and Emma's a freshman at UTK. So I always like to say my children and my money go to the University of Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. So I know you said about 20 years. What was it like to have taught and then left to raise your children and then come back into a classroom. I know a lot probably changed. Right. So I started teaching in the 1900s. I mean, because really, (laughs) it was 1997 was my first um, teaching position, and um, it's a lot different. Um, I had quite a bit of experience in private school. Um, I taught two years at our church, and then I taught five years at a private uh, Christian school okay. in um, Knoxville, and it is a lot different. But I, when we moved back in 2015, my goal was to go back to private school because I had two children that were getting ready to be middle and high school, and it didn't work out that way. And um, I ended up, it was a God thing that I ended up at East Brainerd Elementary School. I walked in for my interview, and the assistant principal at the time that was going to interview me I knew from childhood. And oh. and so it was a very easy, seamless interview. 
Um, I've been at East Brainerd. This is my eighth year. I feel like it's my mission field. I feel like that is I'm teaching in my community. I feel like those are the kids that that need a great teacher. And so um, but it has changed a lot, even in the eight years that I've been in the classroom. Um, COVID did a lot of changes. Yes. Um, and it, but, you know, I always feel like we're changing and growing forward, not going backwards. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to rewind this back a little bit. I would make a really cool rewind noise, but that would not go well. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for saving me. (laughs) What, did you always, even as a little girl, decide that you were going to be a teacher or have that desire? Or what what caused that? So what's really cool is when I was growing up, my mom stayed home um, to raise my sister and I, and my dad was a pharmacist. And what's even cooler than that is both of my parents were teachers. But they were secondary. They were high school teachers. And um, when I graduated high school, I went to college to be a pharmacist because that's what my daddy did. It's what I knew. And it was my freshman year. And I went to Stanford University in Birmingham. And um, I was not doing so well. I'd not always been a straight A student. Mm -hmm. And I was very confused by chemistry. That's all pharmacy is, is mm-hmm. chemistry. And um, I remember calling my parents and I said, I'm not making a good grade. I'm worried. I'm not sure this is the path I need to go on. And I said, what am I going to do? And they said, well, you've always worked with children, which is true. Mm-hmm. I'd always babysat. I worked at um, the YMCA day camp. I did. I worked at Primrose Preschool. Like I was always drawn to children. And so that's where education became my passion. Um, I thought I was actually going into pharmacy more for the money. Mm -hmm. And then I completely took a turn and went into a passion versus something for financial gain. I mean, my gain is different than financial. (laughs) I gain much more than than any dollar amount can can put on. Absolutely. And what... I want to know what is the most shocking story that you have in all of your years teaching, whether it was a parent or a student in your classroom or Mm -hmm. maybe something from college. I don't know. Shocking in a bad way or like, I can't believe that happened. Anything. So my first year at East Brainerd Elementary, um, I had a student that struggled and um, he decided it would be a good idea to hit me. And he hit me as hard as he could three times. And I remember just being in shock. I had never been struck as a teacher. Um, And I do feel bad for that child because it was brought on because of either a misunderstanding or, you know, whatever. But it was pretty shocking. Um, And I remember um, I had to go get checked out for OJI because they needed to make sure he didn't break anything, which he didn't. He's eight. If he had broken me, that would have been bad. But... um, (laughs) I remember the principal calling me that the night that it happened and check on me and said, you know, if you feel like you need to take tomorrow off, I understand. And I said, no, absolutely not. Those other children that saw this happen need to see that I am yeah, a champion and I'm, I'm coming back in and I'm going to do my job. And I did. And it was hard. I cried. But, <laughs> I bet. but you know, I mean, I was shocked. But then now I'm not shocked. If that happens, I'm not shocked by You're that prepared. anymore. Okay. I'm prepared. Yeah. Did that shadow... Um, kind of the way that you, were you fearful then of that happening again? Or did you 
And was that just kind of like, okay, another notch in my belt? No, well, I don't think I was fearful. I the the child ended up being removed from the school for a little bit, and when he came back, clearly he didn't come to my classroom. He went to another classroom, and I really struggled when I first, you know, saw him back in the building. Not because I was fearful, but then I realized he's a kid, right? He's a kid and and he needs to be forgiven and I forgive him. And that doesn't mean I'm going to go, you know, get buddy buddy with him. But, you know, I, I think that it opened my eyes for sure. And I also think it made me more aware of my actions mm-hmm. because whatever I did prior to triggered him. He didn't right. just out of the blue come at me. And I, so I'm a little bit more um, cognizant of my actions and how I could okay. possibly trigger a child. I have to just be more thoughtful of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I know you've taught many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you've said, your passion, which is phenomenal, I will say um, to those joining us today, Miss mm-hmm. Grady is one of the most fabulous teachers that okay. I've seen because of the way that you engage with your children in your class, but also their families, whoever wants to engage, but you're also trying to lead teachers you constantly have Mm -hmm. student teachers that Mm -hmm. so whether it's up and coming whether it's your partner teachers right right um or co-teachers i always do that not correctly yeah teachers but whatever that looks like you always embrace and challenge and want to grow Mm -hmm. and it's um I love that. It's it's really a joy to see. Thank you. Um, and if you would ask um, my children, they would have always said, "Oh yes, I Just love this. yes." <laughs> Every day I get a big old hug from him. Yes. I love him. <laughs> that is awesome. What um, I think, what is your your favorite thing about being able to host student teachers in your classroom and have have a kind of an impact on them? Right. Um, I I've had some student teachers that struggled a little bit and unfortunately there was probably not a lot of influence that I had on them that was going to change their uh, mindset but then I've had some really amazing ones and um, I kind of treat them like my children mm-hmm. like my daughter mm-hmm. like I, I've only had female student teachers but if I had a male that'd be great too but I, I just kind of take them under my wing um, and show them that there's joy in our job. Um, I, I'm kind of the teacher that just wants, I, I want to be fun. I want, but I also have very, um, very determined, uh, expectations. And my student teachers fall under that, but I love to see student teachers thrive and I love to see them succeed, but I also like to see them fail. Because in that failure, that's where they're going to grow the most. And when we get finished with a lesson and they've taught it, they're like, oh, what? that was terrible or whatever. I'm like, yeah, it kind of was, but that's okay. Because if you didn't fail some of the time, then you would never grow. And so I think just just having that relationship with them. And I'm not going to lie. I do like to be able to go to the bathroom when I need to. Yeah. <laughs> and when you have a student teacher, you can do that. It's, <laughs> it's important. Yes, it is a perk. That's awesome. <laughs> now, with East Brainerd, which mm-hmm. you've now been at eight years. Eight years. Yes. Yeah. A long time. It is. We, uh, which for those of you who don't know, East Brainerd Elementary it ha- is the largest footprint in all of Hamilton County. And it's an elementary mm-hmm. school. So we've got pre-K to fifth grade um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge. really big school. Yes. It's um, huge. 
what what would you say is something that maybe many people have perceived about East mm-hmm. Brainerd mm-hmm. that either may not be true or that you you wish that they did know about our community? Well, one of the things I think is if you say the East Brainerd Elementary, they'll go, oh, that's the brand new big school with the solar system. Like they see that from the road because it's yeah. always lit. And there is an assumption that the surrounding neighborhoods that are really big, all those kids go there. Mm-hmm. And so they just think that, you know, and I like to tell them how school zones work mm-hmm. and it encompasses a much larger range than million-dollar homes. Right. And um, and that's the part I love about our school mm-hmm. because there is such a mixture of ethnicities, of, um, you know, income, everything. And what is so amazing about that to me is that that's life. Right. You know, you're not going to go through life and only be around people that look in, like you and have the same amount of money as you. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it shows that um, kids are compassionate to every situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there are children in wheelchairs at our school. There are children with disabilities um, that you can see outwardly and that you don't see outwardly. And I feel like there's compassion within that. Mm-hmm. So I love to just say, you know, Yes, we are that big, giant school, the solar system, that encompasses a really wide zone of children that come from apartments, that come from smaller neighborhoods, that come from extended stays. And all of those children are getting the same um, education as everybody else. And I love that. Yes, it's been a huge diversity, I yes. think, is a huge um Definitely, probably the the biggest positive piece of our school. I agree. I remember a few years ago when we were asking. I think they surveyed the number of languages that were spoken yes. in the homes of our students. It was something crazy, like fifty seven or something it's, wild. The different dialects yes, and yes. Um, and I know last year when when our PTA did the passport to BTA, yes, and we did um learning about different schools and having the parent or. Countries, countries, yeah, goodness, (laughs) Um, but having parents come in and speak if they've lived, right? um, And our lesson, we landed in India and were able to see all the parents that came to support Mm -hmm. and the families that um, either still had family there or had recently moved over, and just how neat that is. That I know that my children would not be who they are without being shaped from the neighbors that they have. In their classroom, right? Absolutely. Classmates and teachers that have been. And we do a really cool thing mm-hmm. in the spring, the International Festival. Yes, that's one of my favorite. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And that has been several years that's been Celebrate done. the diversity. Mm-hmm. Celebrate your culture. Be proud of where you've come from. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, I really love that. That's yes. one of the things that um, I love about our school is the diversity and when children get to say, oh, you know, when we're studying the continents mm-hmm. and they say, oh, my family is from, you know, Asia or Africa. And and then it starts communication. And then when kids who've just never left East Brainerd mm-hmm. get exposed to that, it excites them. It does. Yeah. And I think to being being able to be proud of where where you are. Right. So um, we have engagement nights. Yes, and mm-hmm. that can be a literacy or math or around a school fair, mm-hmm. whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Um, tell us what that looks like when we do the international festival. How that's kind of set up through the school. 
So each um, grade level gets to choose a country and you have a table and you can choose. It's very free to do whatever you want. So in the past, we have done um, samplings of foods that are unique to that country. We've done um, games where we've taught the students that come through how to play the games. But what I love the most about culture, our culture fair is it opens it up for parents to be involved. And it's not just the teachers running the show. It's these parents that I remember one year a family cooking. Um, oh, goodness. It was a Hispanic family and they cooked this enormous amount of food and brought it in and there was nothing left at of the course. end of the night <laughs> because it was so good and so mm-hmm. you know everybody was so excited about it and so i just love that it br- bridges community the, the families as well as the students and the teachers and it just it's really cool it is it yes. is that yes. is that i would agree one of the best parts of our community and mm-hmm. um, what is one of the challenges that you face being a teacher, um, I know you teach third grade now, but just in today's day and age, what is something that you face? Unfortunately, the biggest challenge um, is class size. Um, I'm sitting right now at 24 students, which that's Gracious. literally all the room I have for. Like there's mm-hmm. another desk could not fit in my classroom. Right. Another body could not fit in my classroom. But yet it still could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but not just the quantity of students each student has their own um, set of limits and their own way that they learn. And my goal as a teacher is to reach each student where they are. And it takes a lot of work. Um, we have different uh, ways that we can see um, where their struggles lie with the iReady testing or with... Um, um, benchmarks, things like that. So we have this data, mm-hmm. but it's finding the time to take the data and figuring out what you need to do to close gaps. And so unfortunately, in the third grade, um, you need to read on a third grade reading level in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. And we've got children reading on kindergarten level, first grade, second grade level, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um there's lots of reasons that that could be, but that's not ideal. Okay. And I think because there are so many children in my classroom, for example, it's hard for me to meet their needs. And there's many, there are many days I don't necessarily feel defeated, but I feel like if I had just had another hour mm-hmm. or if I had just had another set of hands or if I had just had another um, couple of chairs that I could put around this my table, I could have met their needs. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at that as a failure. I look at that as there's room for growth the next day. And I go into my next day going, okay, what what can I do differently to, to meet those children's needs? But I think it's just sheer quantity. Mm-hmm. And it's also just diversity of abilities. Absolutely. So I, I think there should be two teachers in every classroom. <laughs> I, yeah. And especially when you start to deal with discipline issues. Right. Right. Like that, that takes you away. Um I remember even as a child, I went to a pretty big elementary school myself. I was in fourth grade and my parents pulled me out halfway through the year and I ended up being homeschooled. I would get done with my work in two hours. Right. Because there were no distractions. There were, and I was shocked by that. Right. Now that was just for a few months because I ended up, they were building another elementary school that I ended up going to fifth grade year, but 
I was shocked by that. And right. you do. You think yes. about the time that, I mean, if you could have the time back that you spent telling people to, hey, nope, we're on this assignment. Exactly. Please be quiet. Please do. You say, Johnny, put your feet on the floor. Right. Like, all right. All things. How much more educational time would you have? Exactly. Or so much more. Or celebrate or right. whatever. There would be so much more time. So Absolutely. much more time. So, Is yeah. there something that if you could encourage families mm-hmm. in order to either engage with you or way, or if there was a way that they could support you in your classroom mm-hmm. as you are dealing with mm-hmm. 24 students, mm-hmm. um, what would that look like? So my biggest um, conversation I would have with parents is to, uh, this sounds really trivial, but check their agenda. Because in their agenda, every single day, we write, you know, if there's homework, if there's a special date coming up, if, um, you know, whatever it needs. And that's like a communication between the teacher and the child but or the parent. But it's also teaching the students responsibility of writing down what their assignments are and holding them accountable. Right. So the first step would be obviously to look at that because that's where notes go back and forth. The second thing is to to be available um, Class Dojo is a great tool that we use at East Brainerd Elementary. It's kind of like text messaging, but to an app. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really appreciate when I send a, a message to someone, to a parent, that in a timely manner, they message me back. Because I'm also very timely. Because I want, if you ask me a question, if it's something I can answer right away, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think that communication. The third thing would be um, be involved in your child's schoolwork. Um, help them with their homework. Don't just send them off to the corner to do it and assume that they know how to do it. Right. Ask questions. Um, read with them. You know, a, the, a child's best, um, they will only be as good of a reader as who is reading to them. Mm-hmm. And so they learn how to read at a very young age if you read to your child. So reading to your child is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they learn intonation. They learn punctuation and how to pause. They learn words. They they learn the joy of reading a book and listening to a book um, and just be involved in their schoolwork, um, I think, is is the is the biggest thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that doesn't have to look like a ton of time. I know families no. are moving from, uh, you know, sporting event to after school to work to, you know, all of the right. things we're maneuvering around. Right. And navigating. But um, I know for us, when we sit down. Um, obviously, Laker kind of does his own thing now, right, but right. with with Oakley, I mean, we can have it done within 20 minutes, right. and that's two or three days worth of the packet right? if we can be focused. Right. Now, I know that's hard with some yes. of us to wrangle the children's yes. attention. Yes. But. Well, and the other thing I always say, too, is I'm a teacher that gives grace. Yeah. And if your family's having a busy week and you've got a lot going on and you don't get that homework packet done, just let me know. And I tell students that. Just have your parents send me a little note or a dojo message or write in the agenda. We didn't get to this tonight Mm -hmm. because family time trumps homework. Of course. Every single time. That doesn't mean I'm not going to give it, but I am going to give it. It's an expectation Mm -hmm. our school and our county sets for us. But also, it's a great way to communicate what we're learning and and to practice the skills that we're learning at school. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Yeah. Now, let's kind of do the other toss of the coin. Okay. Um, when there is a problem, maybe we know that every relationship, if there's miscommunication, right. as you had mentioned earlier, right, right after right. getting hit, um, we, we realize that things, 
sometimes, right, mm-hmm. we don't have the full story. Right. Our perception right. is always skewed right. because it's our side. Right. Um, so if a child goes home to a parent, says this happened, or can you believe mm-hmm. this, or whatever, mm-hmm. if a parent has an issue or mm-hmm. thinks there is a concern, right. how would... How would I, I, how would I like it, it to be? Yes, yeah. What what would be the appropriate way for them to come to you? So my first um, thing is come to me. Mm-hmm. Don't go above my head. Like let's have that conversation first. Yes. Um, a lot of times I'm very aware of what happens mm-hmm. because children like to tell on each other. Of course. So let's pretend like an incident happened in the cafeteria and I'm not there, mm-hmm. and somebody says I heard this. I heard Susie say a bad word. So what I do is I call them interviews, but it's really on an index card. (laughs) I give them an index card and I say, if you heard Susie say anything or do anything that you thought was alarming, please write that down. So I might have a stack of six index cards that says Susie said a bad word. And then Susie's over here saying, I didn't say anything. Well, honey, I got seven cards right here that said you did. Mm -hmm. And, And so I try to hear everybody's side. Um, because sometimes they're like, well, she didn't do anything. And, right. and I get no cards. And so then I'm like, somebody's, you know, right. maybe telling a fib. So, um, I do the best that I can, um, as far as finding out the truth. Yeah. Um, but as far as a parent, I get your, your kids are your, your life mm-hmm. and you pick your child up from school and they tell you something, something happened. And yes, absolutely. You want to go and handle it. Um, I always think the best rule of thumb is take a couple deep breaths Mm -hmm. and don't do anything uh, right away and then reach out to to the teacher first. And if it does not get resolved through the teacher Mm -hmm. after you've tried, then you can bring it to the attention of administration. But I feel like um, things can be usually handled pretty quickly and easily Mm -hmm. through the teacher. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you think is is written communication best? Is it email or dojo, whatever whatever platform mm-hmm. your classroom is using, or is it a phone call? No, I'm not a big proponent of phone calls because um, it's not written and it's yes. not documented. So I can hear one thing, and that person is saying something completely different. Right. And so I feel like dojo message or an email or even a handwritten something mm-hmm. in the agenda is your best bet. Also. If a parent dojo messages me and it's a concern that they have, I can screenshot that and send that in an email to somebody that can help me solve the problem. And, and it's just much time. more efficient. It's yes. just much more efficient. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we all learned something, yes. right? Like, let's go have a conversation. <laughs> right. Um, now, to the teacher that doesn't get back, then mm-hmm. you would say, try again and then... If they don't, then go? Or does it depend on the severity of the issue? Well, it definitely would depend on the severity. Um, One of the things I try to remember is that all teachers are people, too. And they carry burdens, too. And they may not be getting back, not because they're not doing their job, but something else is happening. Um, I would always heed a little caution to that and say, try one more time. Um, you could even try a different format. So mm-hmm. let's say you emailed and um, maybe that teacher's not great with her email. Maybe she doesn't have it on her phone like she does Dojo. Mm-hmm. So maybe the a second attempt um, would be in a different way. Um, that's what I say to err on the side of, Absolutely. of grace and be like, you know, that the reason you're not getting back 
to me is because something is going on. Right. Or you have 24 students. Right. Exactly. (laughs) No, I think that's helpful. I think us as parents, um, and and you probably remember when when your kids were a lot smaller than they are now. Right, right, right. And you want to be your kid's superhero. You want to step in. Advocate. Um, Absolutely. And and we should. But I also think that there is a a good way to do that. And yes, remembering not only our Y'all humans, what? just like we are. Right. Not everyone is as perfect right. as us. That's right. <laughs> but, but just the way to do that, write out, right. hey, this is what <laughs> little Susie said. Exactly. And I know that may not be accurate, but I'm trying to understand because if this did happen, I'm a little bit alarmed that I am not made aware, whatever. Right. Can we have a conversation? Right. right. Um, well, and to respect boundaries, too. Absolutely. Um, you know, on Class Dojo, you have there's a setting where you can actually set your boundaries. So I don't get text message or dojo messages after 7 p.m. and I don't get them before 7 a.m. You you can send it to me, it's just not going to notify me. And so I think one of the things in our profession is um, balance and self care. Yes. So you have to set boundaries for yourself as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle with that a little bit, but I'm, I'm still working on that. You know, leaving the school building by a certain time or not taking all my work home or, you know, not putting a timeline on certain things and say, because I also need to care for myself and take yes. care of my family. So, um, I think that, you know, I think that those boundaries are good to have. But I also think open communication. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't love about Dojo message and kind of text message and email as well, you, a period can be seen, punctuation can be seen as positive or negative. Right. Because I put a period at the end of the sentence does not mean I'm mad. Right. Because I put an exclamation mark that does not mean happy. I'm happy. Yeah. You know, so can't tell I, the tone. you can't tell the tone. And so I think... um that's where, if you felt like it would be better resolved through a phone call, mm-hmm. request that. As the parent, request it. But as a teacher, request it. And so I, I'll i make phone calls, not regularly, but if I feel like I'm not getting through to the mm-hmm. child or to the parent, I'll just pick up the phone. Because when you hear that person's voice and you go, oh, that's that, that's, that wasn't a bad conversation, right. you know. They were actually do they, care. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where if we could realize um, there, I think, has only been one teacher that I've ever met that I didn't feel like had the best interest of my child. Right. And if you look at all of the teachers yes. that have engaged and interacted, right? right, especially as our children get older and have multiple teachers right. or multiple periods, right? that's so minimal, minimal that you should always, always give the benefit of the doubt. Right have the conversation. But I think too, um, if you look at it as we are all on the same side, right? Absolutely. The, we are all parenting the child in one yes. way or another. Yes. We want to have support that yes. by the classroom and the home environment being on the same, same page. Team. Well, Team Oakley. This is great. Team Oakley yeah. means everybody on Team Oakley is to see Oakley succeed. Yeah. That's mom, that's dad, that's the teacher, that's the friends, that's the friends' parents. It's all it's all that community. And I think when you you realize that, um, then it gives you a goal to work towards and it helps you realize you don't have to do it by yourself. Yes. And it's not a fight. Every right. time you reach out, isn't 
necessarily that somebody did something wrong. Maybe right. we're calling to celebrate that they right. did a great act of kindness. Exactly. So I think exactly. also that's that being unoffended. Right. right that right. piece. Like, let's mm-hmm. wait to hear what they said and then right. decide. Right. Exactly. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about um, about the East Brainerd Elementary, right? The mm-hmm. school that we are at currently. Right. Um, for for people that are in elementary schools, period, mm-hmm. what is the biggest difference that you see um, from kind of younger grades to older grades? Mm-hmm. I know we're doing a lot of the same subjects, but, right. but what would you say, like kindergarten versus your third grade? Well, a lot of it's responsibility. A lot of it is um, uh, meeting the child where they are developmentally. Mm-hmm. I would never... I wouldn't give a big fat crayon to my third grader and say, this is what you can color with. (laughs) And I wouldn't give a skinny pencil to a kindergartner and say this, you know, you have to meet them developmentally. So each each grade, each age group is going to be add on a little bit more responsibility um, to where you get to the fifth grade and you shouldn't have to be reminded Mm -hmm. to, to take your backpack and to have your homework. Like it's, it's all grooming them for middle school, high school, possibly college. So I feel like it's a gradual release of responsibility yeah. between the grades. What do you feel like is the biggest, where you would notice the biggest age difference in not only responsibility, but in the, maturity? Yeah, <laughs> I would say probably yeah. maturity. So where does that happen? I feel like at our school, because it's two levels, K one and two are downstairs. Three, four, and five are upstairs. It's a it's a um, visual that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. So when a child leaves second grade and walks upstairs, that's a big deal. And so when we meet with our parents at the beginning of the school year, we say, "Okay, you're very used to K one and two report cards. They get one, two, three, and four. This is A, B, C, D, and F. You're used to your child." Um, you know, coloring and gluing and and making crafts, that's probably not going to happen a lot in third, fourth, and fifth grade. Um, And your child will be tested, state tested. Now, whether I agree with that or not, we do it. Right. So um, I feel like you have to be very real in the third grade with parents explaining to them um, the, the, the growth going from downstairs to upstairs. And so it's a big deal. And what's so funny is students still that third, fourth, and fifth grade complain about the stairs. These stairs are so hard to climb, Mrs. Grady. Why can't we just do the elevator? And I said, because you're growing. you got to grow. Yeah. And you can't grow staying on the bottom floor. And you can't grow going up an elevator. You've got to walk up the stairs. So I just, I, I think that that's, uh, to me, and that's also where I've had the most experience, you know, so yeah. between a second grader and a third grader. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Now, I know we've talked about how big this school is, mm-hmm. big classroom sizes. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would like brag on the elementary school that you're affiliated with for doing really well? You know what? For the number of students we have, we are very effective and efficient uh, transitioning throughout the school. We are also really good during our drills because when you think about it, you're in class and all of a sudden the fire alarm goes mm-hmm. off chaos right oh not at our school we practice we train we we celebrate when they do a great job we correct when they don't do a great Mm -hmm. job and i feel like for the enormity of our enormous whatever that word is you know what i'm saying (laughs) for that that (laughs) bigness of our school we are very effective and efficient transitioning 
and making sure our students are safe. That's great. So that's I, I think that's a huge thing. And um, we do this thing in the hallway called three and zero. I actually started it. Mm -hmm. And you three squares from the wall. So that means you're not brushing up against the wall. You're not touching it. And voice level zero. And the whole school has adopted that. And that's it's really great. made a big difference in in um, just getting to from point A to point B. And I always tell my students, you're, you are a role model. Like mm -hmm. these younger kids that are coming through the hallway right now, they're looking at you. So I need you to show them what it looks like to be a third grade, mm -hmm. you know, third grader in the hallway. So I, I think that we're really, really, really good at that. Absolutely. And that allows the teacher to be heard. Exactly. Exactly. And they're safe. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of kids and it's very, there would be lots of opportunities for children to get hurt. Um, especially on the staircases, especially, uh, you know, in a drill sort situation, but they don't because we really work hard at that to keep our students safe. And that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Right? That's what you intend for. When Absolutely. You Absolutely. And is there something that you feel like you as a teacher have been blamed for from outside, whether it's the student's family or other mm -hmm. uh, other people in the community that does not fall on your shoulders that people think you have control over? Mm, goodness. Sometimes, sometimes people will, um, you know, and it's unfortunate that the media will get hold of our test scores mm -hmm. or something like that and that they grade us based on students test scores it's unfortunate mm -hmm. and i feel like you know it's great to be celebrated as a level five school mm -hmm. uh we we have been a level five before we're not right now but we're level four that's close i mean you know right but i feel like it it should not be a reflection on um the school as a whole mm -hmm. I, I do not associate a school with a number and because there's so much more, it's like judging a book by its cover. If there's so much more to that. So I think that that's probably, you know, people will say, oh, your school. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what our school is like. Step it, step in and, and see what it's like. Don't, don't read in the newspaper or watch on, you know, the TV and, and judge our school based on a number. Right. So yeah, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing. What is, I know as parents want to be involved, a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm, Whether right. they work or not, they want to be in the school outside of like PTA ways or the school actually bringing in volunteers as a whole. What is something that I know when I think of kindergarten, mm -hmm. you think of the teacher needs you to make copies and cut things so that the kids aren't right. playing and right. putting things together and, you know, that increases at the third grade level. Mm -hmm. What is it? If a parent volunteer came in, what is it that you would need the most help with or that they could assist with? Helping the students that need the most help. Okay. Paperwork to me, a lot of the paperwork that we have as teachers can only be done by the teacher. Um, copying, yes, that can, anybody can do that. But we also have a pretty decent curriculum that gives us what we need for copies. Um, okay. We don't have to make a ton. Different grades are different, of but course. it's for as far as third grade goes. But if a parent said to me, you know, I would love to come in. I have an hour. Mm -hmm. I would probably find the student that needs the most help with reading and put those two together and let the child read to the, the volunteer or let them do uh, an activity with them that we're working on in class. Because if I could clone myself, I would be sitting next to every single mm -hmm. child 
and helping them, not giving them the answer, but encouraging them, supporting them. And so I think that that's how I would best utilize a volunteer. Okay. Now, I want to do a couple of like action items. Okay. So I know you've, you have taught in both pre-K and, and kindergarten. Yeah. If there's a parent that has a preschooler getting yes. ready for kindergarten, what are the things, the, the top things that you feel like they should be preparing their students with for kindergarten? Okay. So the first thing would be writing their name. Actually, before that, knowing their name. Yes. <laughs> you would be very surprised. So make sure your child knows their name. Make sure they know their parents' names. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, writing their name is important. That comes with time, and there's lots of different ways they practice. But I think um, really just knowing who they are and being able, you know, a lot of times it's like the address. I would do a phone number before I would do the address. Yes. You're, the child either needs to know the phone number of one of the parents or it's written somewhere they know they can go get it. Mm-hmm. Because the scariest thing to me, and I, this happened to me in Coles the other day, I was getting something and this little child just darted out from a rack and cute as a button. And I'm looking around, don't see any parents anywhere. And I just knew that he he was lost. And so I said to him, you know, hey, you looking for your mom? And he kind of looked at me and I said, what's your name? He knew his name and he knew his mom's name. Now, he didn't know the phone number. But the fact that I could walk him up to the front, tell the manager and they could come over the intercom yeah, was huge. Deal, yeah. And I think he his mom said he would. I think he's either four or five. He's it was a little she was scared. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just think they need to know that. And I think, honestly, too, um, anything that you can do at home to help your child, learning their letters, their numbers, sitting in a in a seat for mm-hmm. maybe five minutes. Um, maybe learning to eat lunch at maybe, lunch Yes. Le- lunch. Yes. Opening their own containers, mm-hmm. tying shoes. I mean, it's these things that we take for granted. But when you're a teacher and you've got 24 kids and everybody needs their nose wiped and their pants buttoned and their shoes tied, you won't ever get to teaching. No. So I just think doing this, I, I like to call them prerequisite skills, mm-hmm. you know, things that First they can. towards independence, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Mama's not here. Daddy's yes. not here. Let us yes. do this. Yes. Abs- and if they don't, can't yeah. tie their shoes by them, Velcro. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are thing. alternatives. Yes. There are alternatives to shoe strings. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about, if I know, I know you've taught fifth grade too. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fifth grade to six? That's a big deal. Huge. It's a big deal. I cried and my whole I, family made fun of me, but I'm like, this is such a big deal. It is friend. such a big When you go to another school, it's a big deal. It is. What would you say? Um, and I know uh, fifth graders are just too cool anyway. Right. But right. what would you say parents can help their students with at that phase? Well, you know, it's really funny. It's kind of goes back to pre-K kindergarten mm-hmm. independence. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, when my children, my children are always gone to school with me. And then when they went to middle school, I wasn't their middle in their middle school because I taught elementary school. And if they had a responsibility of making sure their lunchbox was in their backpack mm-hmm. to go to school. When you call me from school and say, I don't have my lunchbox, that's not my problem anymore. Mm-hmm. That was your responsibility. And it, it stinks mm-hmm. like to say, you have to go eat the school lunch or you can just wait till you get home because you don't want that for your child. But you also don't want to be doing everything for them mm-hmm. to where they are dependent on you. They're always going to be dependent on right. you, but you want them to gain independence 
at each level, but that independence uh, looks different when you go from fifth grade to sixth grade, mm-hmm. and it looks different from eighth grade to ninth grade, mm-hmm. and it really looks different from a senior in high school to in college, and that's what I've experienced this you know, year. My son is a junior, but my daughter, my baby, went to college, and she's an hour and a half away, mm-hmm. and, and she is very responsible and all of that, but when she calls me, she called me today and she said, this class is so hard. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. You feel helpless. But if you've given your children the tools back when they were in high school, back when they were in middle school, back when they were in elementary school, they are going to be able to work through it. Yeah. And it's going to look different of course. for them. So I just think independence, just your, then that's what you raise your kids to mm-hmm. do, yeah. you know, and to go off and to spread their wings and do what they're called to do. So. And allowing them to have coping mechanisms yes. how they can. And yes. of course, if you always go save them, no. yes. then they yes. will never learn right. that there is a consequence to Absolutely. the action. And, Absolutely. Oh, those are great things. Those are great things. I hope that and for those listening that that may be going through those phases or may have friends that are going through those phases, mm-hmm. nieces and nephews, whatever that looks like, that you can help encourage them to get started. It's never too early to help prepare Absolutely. our students. And, and I think as our mama hearts <laughs> right. as well, right? right. To, for that, a little bit of separation. And lastly, if, if there is somebody that is either in college now wanting, kind of experiencing mm-hmm. feelings of maybe wanting to change careers to go into teaching, change their studies, mm-hmm. or maybe they're in a job that they're like, oh, I, I now hear this passion and maybe yes. want to pursue this. Um, what would you say to help give encouragement or advice to them? Listen to your heart and don't listen to negativity mm-hmm. because there are people out there that will say, I can't believe you do what you do. You don't get paid enough or you don't get paid enough to deal with what you deal with. You know what? You're right. But that's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because I listen to my heart and because I knew where my gifts and talents lie. And I knew that I was called to do something much bigger than myself. So for those kids, kids out there, you know, or you might be in your second, you know, your first career now and you think, ah, this is not meant for me. I know a lot of people who left different jobs and went back to school to be teachers. Um, I say, don't listen to the negativity, Mm -hmm. follow your heart and stand up for our profession because without our profession, there would be no other professions. No. So it starts with us. Doctors wouldn't be a doctor if they didn't have somebody to teach them to read. So I, it's, you need us and, and we need more people passionate about making a difference and changing lives and teaching children. Yes. And if we're not passionate about being a teacher, be passionate about supporting our educators. Exactly. Exactly. Encourage Don't children. be a hater. Be yeah. a supporter. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yes. I yes. That. Well, Lee, thank you You're so welcome. much for joining us and yes. on our first education. Yeah, that was so episode. exciting. Yes. And just being able to, once again, bridge that gap between the classroom and the community. Absolutely. Um, and y'all, I would encourage you wherever you are, make sure whether it is public, private, homeschooling, support somebody who is choosing to reach out to students and to help them grow and learn. And um, we all need each other. It does take Absolutely. a village and this it is does. the best way to do that. So We hope that you have a wonderful week and cannot wait for you to join us next week on another episode of Heather's Most Precious. Heather's Most Precious is brought to you with love by the Hendrickson Agency, an insurance agency serving all of Georgia and Tennessee. The Hendrickson Agency, properly protecting your most precious possessions. 
Support for Heather's Most Precious is provided by Study.com, which offers SAT and ACT study materials and even has resources for AP and college credit courses. Listeners of Heather's Most Precious get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level with offer code PRECIOUS. Just go to Study.com and use offer code PRECIOUS at checkout. Heather's Most Precious is produced by Chattanooga Podcast Studios and is part of the Podnooga Network. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Heather's Most Precious. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.